It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. Truth be told, I don't feel like I get FOMO that often in life. There are specific situations and things that come up in the world and my reality, my life experience, where I, I feel a significant amount of FOMO. Uh, and, and dear listener, if you don't know what FOMO is, it's an acronym for fear of missing out when something's going on in life where other people are doing something you want to be involved in and it doesn't quite happen. And if you have been a listener of this podcast recently, we had teased an upcoming cross-country road trip by my dear co-host, Whitney Lortzen and our amazing mutual friend, Leanne. And I have been, <laughs> over the course of the road trip, these two amazing women have been on, battling a little bit of FOMO. I, I'm a huge fan of road trips. And luckily, they kept me in the loop with lots of photos and videos and updates on their adventures, which made me feel included. But today, we are going to dive into their journey, their adventures, the ins, the outs, the concerns, the challenges, the revelations, the amazement, the surprises that they experienced on their 10-day cross-country road trip, which, as you know, is under the backdrop of many things happening in the world right now, COVID being one, uh, different state quarantines, massive wildfires on the West Coast, the hurricanes in the Gulf Coast. There's, there's a lot going on on planet Earth right now. So, I'm just super stoked to be kind of taking the, the baton and running with it, ladies, on this podcast to hear more interesting details about your adventure. So now that you are both, I suppose, grounded back into your destinations in the world after this road trip is concluded, the first obvious question is, how are you both feeling? Are you feeling exhausted, jubilant? What is it sort of like a hangover feeling? Like, what are you both experiencing on the tail end of now being home and settled in? <laughs> hmm. It's hard to answer that question because every day since I got back has felt a little different physically. And even though it's been like three full days, I don't know, my sense of time has also been kind of skewed around. It's really hard to describe. I don't know if you feel that way, Leanne, but it's like diving into life again after being on the road feels really interesting. But for me, I'm visiting my parents. So it's also like getting used to being here again, which is kind of disorienting in general whenever I come to visit. Just going from such a big city in Los Angeles to a small town in Massachusetts and being with my family who I haven't seen in a while. And then you throw COVID into the mix and that's a whole nother experience. So physically, I've just been trying to catch up on sleep and that has been the big priority. I haven't felt like... I feel like the physical needs have come over and had like a bigger priority than my emotional and mental needs. And I feel like once I get my physical needs met, then I'll be able to process it all emotionally. <laughs> How about you, Leanne? Yeah. You know, that's so funny you say that because I think it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs where exactly what you just said, like our base physical needs, which we had to live a completely different lifestyle for 10 days and like getting that situated first before before I can process it for sure. Because yeah, I think I told someone, I was like, that was a life-changing <laughs> trip and a life-changing 10 days. And he was like, how so? And I'm like, 
I'm going to have to get back to you on that because I'm not really still unclear. And maybe we'll talk about it and kind of figure some of that out today. But I mean, it's so many things. I think that right now is such a transitional time in the world and in life. And getting back from a completely different lifestyle back into my life, which itself is in such transition, is a very discombobulating space to be. Like, I don't think I even know how to sleep right now. Like, I'm not sleeping in a normal way. I don't know. Just trying to figure out how to get back to a grounded place. I just appreciate, first of all, both of you, you know, coming from such an authentic, honest place with how you're feeling. And my curiosity is more that, you know, obviously you both, as I mentioned, kept such a wonderful job of keeping me in the loop. It's almost like you guys knew I was going to have FOMO. So you kept sending me pictures and videos, which I really, really appreciated. It made me, well, on one hand, I just really care and love so deeply for you both. So I almost felt like it was a way of you kind of like checking in. It was almost like, I don't know, a sixth love language of like sixth love language, checking in. Like I felt good knowing you were both safe and you were both okay. But the curious part of it to me is I think that especially with the backdrop of, as you mentioned, Leon, all the transitions, which I definitely want to get into talking about identity and career and some of the machinations that we're all going through. I'm just curious with your overall experience, I know you're both processing it and I know you're both recovering physically, but this is this might get uncomfortable. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper under the hood a little bit. Did the road trip feel like an escape? Did it feel like an opportunity to be still and reflect? Or did it also feel stressful and a little bit like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to you know, make meals? How are we going to stay clean? How are we going to keep our hygiene intact? Or was it a combination of all of those things? Like Overall, what was the experience of the road trip? I think for me, after five months of staying really close to my apartment in Brooklyn, I don't have a driver's license and I have not been taking the subway. So I've just been getting around walking, which really limits where I can go. And so taking this trip definitely felt like a huge adventure and like time Whitney and I kept talking about was so fascinating. It was like, you know, I think in quarantine, maybe one interesting thing happens in a week and it was like 10 interesting things an hour, you know? And so every day felt like more than a week. It was a lot, but what also that did to to the experience, something that you just spoke to, Jason, very insightfully, is that like there wasn't time to really think about much. I felt like something really amazing about it was that I felt very present. There really wasn't a lot. There wasn't time to think about other things or get distracted because we were so focused on functioning and staying on schedule and functioning on so many different levels that are typically so basic and automatic, kind of similar to how quarantine was to begin with, where it's like all these things that are automated or normal in our lives, all of a sudden we have to think about like how to pee and how to eat and how to exist and how to sleep and like all of those basic things we had to kind of refigure out. And that took a lot of focus and being super present and a lot of problem solving. And it was like nothing was given. And so I feel like for that experience to be constant for 10 days, it was its own very like present and fresh life experience where like we had to just be so alive and present during that whole thing, which itself was really special. 
I don't know, Whitney, if you felt the same way. Yeah, I, I definitely did. And today I was thinking how if I were to do something different on that trip, it probably would have been putting less focus on getting to the next destination. Because I think that was something that came up a lot in my head. It was like, I want to stay on track with the schedule and we have to get to this place by this time. A lot of times it was trying to get somewhere before the sun went down so we could camp and set up our tents and all that, which pretty much happened. <laughs> it never really happened on schedule, which was really interesting. And so it it also required us to constantly adapt and like let go of some of the scheduling that we did. And yeah, time was also interesting too, because we had planned so much ahead of time. Leanne and I had one day like a nine or 10 hour planning session on Zoom because we were both in separate places. And so we got on Zoom and like went over, we looked at the whole map. We talked about like we were going to camp each night and how far we were going to drive and what we wanted to see, what we wanted to do, if we were going to try to meet up with anybody and how would we do that during COVID and be physically distanced. And there was just like a lot of considerations. And so we probably spent, I would say, up to 20 hours planning the trip across a very short amount of time because this trip happened really fast. I think, Leanne, do you remember what day it was that you reached out to me about the trip? I feel like it was it was like maybe the third week of August or something. Initially, we were going to leave on like maybe the 31st or the 1st of September. So we, we had very little time. Yeah, I think it was like August... 20th. And we were originally planning to leave on the 31st, which would have been like 11 days later. And then I thought it was kind of amazing that even though that's when I would end up around like near enough to LA that then we could start the 10 day cross country trip together. It was like, you had to get your car serviced and the servicing couldn't happen until the 31st. So then it was going to be a few days after that, that we could leave. And you were like suggesting that then if I stayed in LA for those days, you know, would that be okay? And I mean, I just thought it was so fascinating that I mean, so much of this trip was like this, where it just came together so quickly, but also the things that didn't go as planned were actually better. Like having a nearly a week to just really finalize all the plans and figure out all the things together while I was in LA I mean, together, but over Zoom was like amazing. And I think we needed every one of those minutes and every one of those days. So it's just fascinating because initially it was like, oh, how about we all end up on the West Coast around the 31st? Like that would be great. Let's start then. And it was just exactly what we needed to be able to have almost a full week then to finalize all the details. So I'm just like so amazed by life when things work out like that. Yeah. And going back to what I was starting to say, like after we started this planning that she's talking about and how like everything was falling into place, I think that was one of the big lessons with this trip is that trust is a huge thing. And this came up a lot Leanne and I ended up having so many deep conversations about ourselves and our lives. And we were listening to audiobooks, which was just so magical. And in fact, to get off on another little tangent, I knew that that was going to happen. But I guess in my head, I thought there'll be a period of time where like we get sick of talking or we'll like have a lot of quiet. We'll listen to music. We barely listened to any music the entire trip. 
We listened to audiobooks, but we would pause them like every couple of minutes to have a discussion around. And that really blew my mind how much we ended up having discussions throughout this whole 10 days. And then one of the things that came up a lot was how I struggle with trust. And I've realized that about myself over time. And I think one of the reasons that I plan a lot is in order to make me feel more safe. And I knew also that there was going to be things that came up that were out of my control that would surprise us. For the most part, things stayed on schedule, give or take a few hours or a few little last minute changes. And nothing really majorly went wrong. We'll talk about some challenges we had, but we overcame all of those. And so it was a good exercise in trust in a lot of ways. And then this experience of time, as I was saying earlier, the one thing I would have shifted in hindsight is being less concerned with when we got somewhere, how we got somewhere, and just kind of went more along with the journey and be present, as Leanne is talking about. I think I did the best job with that that I could have. But looking back, I just almost regret it because I thought, wow, like there was one time, for example, when we were driving to Denver and we ended up an hour and a half or two hours of traffic that we did not expect. And I also knew that that was a possibility. But I was kind of like beating myself up at one point because the GPS, I missed a turn. And I'm like, oh, if I hadn't missed that turn, maybe I could have avoided all this traffic. And I remember also in that experience, our friends that we were meeting up with were so understanding. One of them lived in Denver. And so we just gave her a heads up when we were going to get there. And another one was just going to visit. We ended up camping with a friend that met us in the Denver area. And he was just so laid back. And so in my head, I'm like, why was I so worried about this traffic that we were in the time that we got there when everything was okay? You know, and I think that was one of the big lessons is that everything ended up okay, even if it felt stressful at the time. Yeah. I mean, also, we maybe found one of the most beautiful peace spots during that drive. So I was (laughs) very, very just like, It was one of those things where there was like bumper to bumper traffic and I think I had been napping and then like I woke up and I think you had to pee. So then like with our newfound expertise of peeing outside, it was just like stunning. Like we just pulled over and found some woods. And like, I think when I looked out like over the entire Colorado skyline of trees and mountains. And I realized that it was actually looked very much like my shower curtain at home because like, that's exactly what I love to look at. I was like, wow. (laughs) I mean, if we hadn't been stuck in that traffic, we would not have seen the most beautiful tree-lined mountain view, which is so beautiful that I literally have a shower curtain of it. So... Yeah, I definitely think that it worked out. And yeah, our friends were so cool about it. But yeah, all of those things worked out great. All right. So question that I have, were there any spots that you landed in particular? Well, I I have many, many questions, but the first two that come to mind, first of all, any specific places that you, how do I describe this feeling? There are times when I travel, Whitney, you and I have had some experiences like this where it's like, oh my God, I don't want to leave. Like it's almost a feeling of such connection or peace or tranquility, joyfulness, stillness, a lot of different emotions. So I'm curious if any places stood out in that like, oh my God, can we just stay here? That type of emotion. And second, I'm curious how this has colored 
your relationship to the big city. You know, Leanne being on the East Coast, New York City, Whitney and I currently, well, living in Los Angeles, which has its own set of challenges at the moment. How being in different environments, how you felt as opposed to being in the urban jungle, so to speak. Well, the first place that comes to mind for me that I wish that we had spent more time at was this beach. It was called Lone Rock Beach. Is that right, Leanne? It's right on the border of Arizona and Utah. And it was really neat because Leanne had discovered this place. I'll let you tell this story too, Leanne. I'll share my version first because we've already told this story a few times to friends and I love listening to Leanne describe this. But my version is that we were basing a lot of our campsites on, well, actually all of our campsites on our charging station. So since we took my Tesla, we had to really be mindful of making sure there was enough charge to get from one station to another, which actually, I just want to like say that my mind was really blown with the experience. Jason and I did our road trip last year to Colorado But it just felt like such a small trip in comparison to this one. I think probably because this one was over twice as long and Jason and I were staying in hotels and driving kind of short distances in between charge stops, if that makes sense. Whereas the idea of driving, I think it was probably over 3,000 miles when it was all said and done from Los Angeles to Massachusetts, that just feels kind of daunting. And I know that people have done it. I knew it could be done But in my head, I still wondered how hard it would be. And luckily, Tesla makes it fairly easy to plan ahead of time because you can go on their website and they have a trip planner. So I went on there and plotted out some of the major spots we were going to go to. But still, there were a lot of variables. So this is why it took so long for us to plan is we had to like look up campsites. And originally, we were using this website called Hip Camp, which is really great. It's like an Airbnb for camping. But the problem with Hip Camp that we discovered as we were planning this trip is that they would only tell you the general area. So the very first campsite we were going to stay at, turns out it was pretty far away. And again, me being kind of concerned about time and charging, I didn't know if it was worth the risk. So we had to start looking for alternatives outside of Hip Camp. The other big thing I will say is I had no idea how many campsites there were. And it's funny because that shows my inexperience with camping. But the entire drive, we would pass by campsites constantly. And when we were planning this trip, I just didn't realize that there were that many options. So in hindsight, I'm like, wow, like we didn't really need to be that concerned. The only thing is you have to reserve some of these places ahead of time. So anyways, on our second night, we could not find a hip camp nearby. And Leanne also wasn't feeling like super confident, if I remember, about like where we're going to stay, because some of the places she found didn't take reservations. They were first come, first serve. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, boy, this does not sound good. (laughs) And this is why I'm I'm so curious, Leanne, to hear your hindsight, because my perspective was like, you were feeling like this probably wasn't going to happen. And we had backup. So Leanne also researched a couple other places And thank God for that, because I was overwhelmed with some of the other planning. Like I was so grateful to have Leanne doing all that work, because as an inexperienced camper, just the idea of trying to find a campsite like felt stressful to me. (laughs) So this is like the huge advantage of traveling with someone else who likes to research like Leanne does. So anyway, she finds a spot. She says, it's got great reviews. 
but we probably shouldn't plan on staying there because it's first come first serve and we weren't going to get there until like between 6 and 7 p.m. So we kind of based our day on getting there as early as possible. We also didn't want to rush the day. So we were like trying to find the balance and it's starting to get dark. It's around sunset time we pull up. And I remember just like we pulled in there and we are driving down this like long dirt road and then we see the area and there's like all these people camping, but it looks like there was plenty of space, which surprised me because in my head, I thought it was going to be like a sign up as soon as we got there that said, sorry, we're full. Like I was really expecting that, but also hoping that wouldn't be the case. In fact, I was even trying to like visualize us getting there and and there, you know, maybe we were going to be the last ones in to get a spot. But I didn't realize how big this camping spot was. So we pull in, we realize that we can camp there. Leanne, I'm going to leave the next part of the story for you about your adventure separately from that. But before that, I'll just say that this ended up being one of, if not my favorite places because of all the magic we experienced there. So I'll turn it over to Leanne to, <laughs> to share. I want to know, Leanne, like what you were thinking as well then and now in hindsight. And then also, I'd love for you to share that little story of, of the people that helped you out when we got there. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I remember the first night we stayed in a state campground and I like barely slept because there were these parents partying at the one tent spot over from us. And so I was like extra anxious about being able to sleep the second night. And I remember like when you had said, oh, we need to be near Page, Arizona. I like looked and I was like, there are no hip camps. There's like nothing that I can find except these like three first come first serve state park or maybe national park places to camp. And I'm like, it's Labor Day weekend. All of the recommendations are like, if you want to camp first come first serve, you should make sure to get there by noon because that's the time people leave from the night before. I'm like, we're definitely not going to get there by noon. And it's Labor Day weekend. And it's going to be Saturday. People will be camped from Friday. I was just like, there's no way. And first of all, I mean, I was like, whatever, this is probably just like a normal camping spot, which um, isn't, isn't that different than any other camping spot. But then I remember the second time we were planning and looking over everything, I just like Googled this lone rock beach in Page, Arizona. And I was just like blown away. Like the reviews were like, this is the best place ever. You're like camping literally on the beach. And like, there's just all these huge rock formations. It's beautiful. And I was like, oh, I had no idea that this, this wasn't just a random thing. Like this random thing that we found because there was a location that you gave for charging like nearby, we end up finding this, literally this magical beach, like so special. And yeah, I remember feeling like, okay, we're driving in and you were being so positive and like super, oh, you know, I think you were just talking about how we planned and we did our best. And so let's visualize that we get there and it's there and there's a spot for us. And in my head, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a spot for us. But then I remember we were driving up and like the gate actually said closed. And I thought that meant the beach was closed, but it just meant that the the box office or whatever box office, the welcome, I don't know what it's called, was closed. There was no one in there. And so we drove through. And then as we were driving down, this is when we saw the beach and it was sunset and it was like pink and purple. And then also we realized like maybe we did need to get a ticket. 
So I remember we were so excited. And then I like was like, oh, I see these people. Let me ask them. And I asked them, I was like, do we need some sort of ticket? Because there was no one at the ticket booth up front. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's a machine. You need to get a ticket. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get back up there. And they're like in their four-wheeler and they're like getting their goggles on. They're like, no, it's cool. Like, just come with us. We're going to go up there anyway. And I was like, okay, great. It was like open air, like vehicle that just like they would drive around in the sand for fun at sunset. And so they drove me up there and I was able to get the ticket and come back down. And they were just really sweet strangers. And then once I was back, we, I remember like running down to the beach and just, I think our minds were just blown at this like accidental, perfect rock beach that we got to stay at with like the prettiest sunset. And yeah, it was just really, really beautiful. It was one of those places that I didn't want to leave. And I felt sad that we didn't have like that extra time set aside. And I think the other big lesson I learned in hindsight, I thought 10 days was like more than enough. I don't know about you, Leanne, but most people I've told about this trip, they're like, what? You took 10 days to travel cross country. But I also got some people that either said, that sounds like a nice trip or a nice vacation. Or some people said like, that's all you're taking with everything that you're doing. So I think the other lesson is it would have been nice if we had had a buffer day because we did do buffer time so that we had like an extra hour or so each day just in case we got off track, which really ended up helping us. And some days we thought we had more time and then like ended up getting to places super late. And that was because of miscalculations and things like that. It all worked out for sure. But I guess also thinking about it, I don't know how we would have baked in an extra day because the trick was not that we were in a rush to get back east. It was more We needed to plan other campsites. And because you had to reserve a lot of those ahead of time, you couldn't like just spontaneously decide to stay someplace an extra day because it would have a whole ripple effect. And some of these places, you know, had strong policies. So if you didn't show up, you get charged for both nights or something. Or even if you didn't end up staying there, you still had to pay for it. And I think that put on like a little bit of pressure. I think something I would like to research for future camping trips is like, can you just book when you get there? How many places allow you? And I suppose that is risky because if it's booked up, then you need to figure out something else to do. But it does allow you to be a little bit more spontaneous. And I think that would have been fun for times like that beach that we found. It's interesting because I'm curious why 10 days? Was it just a completely arbitrary thing that you both... We're like, yeah, 10 days sounds good. Or was there a much more intentional choice behind that number of days? I remember, Leanne, correct me if I'm wrong with about this, but it might have been partially arbitrary or partially that I kind of did the math at the very beginning. But then when we sat down to plan it, we at first thought it was going to be 11 days once we got really in depth. And then we realized we screwed up the math and we had an extra day in there. But 10 days actually started to be more of the aim for us, simply because I think as soon as we decided it was going to be 10 days, we wanted to stick to that. And when it came to like budgeting and all of that, it just felt like if we add any more days in, we have to camp another night and we have to buy more food and we have to charge more, whatever else along the way. So maybe we wouldn't have needed to charge that much more for an extra day. But 
I think it was that concern of if we add too much time in, it's going to be pricey. And one thing that we were thinking a lot about was the cost involved. The good news is this trip was significantly less expensive than we thought. We had buffer in our budget too. And it ended up coming under like $200 less than we had planned, which was awesome. So for a 10-day trip, it was super affordable for everything that we did, Leanne. I don't, we haven't talked about this since we figured out the final cost of it, but I was actually felt really good about what we spent and we got really creative. We also had the support of many brands. We'll probably do this in a separate episode, but we could certainly talk about some of the brands in this one too. I really want to do a whole episode on everything that we used. But Leanne, since you might only be on this episode, I'd really love to hear like what things you were super grateful for. But before we get to that, like, how did you feel about the day? Did you feel like 10 days was right for us? And would you have changed that all in hindsight? Would you have added more time? How did you feel about the budget? Yeah, that's so interesting. Because I feel like at first, I think you threw out there like seven or eight days. Like I felt like, I can't remember how long your cross-country trip was before, but something about seven or eight days seemed like right. But then I just, I don't know what I kind of felt like maybe a week and a half seemed maybe like we'd have a little more space. And I mean, it was still very, very, very packed. And I've never taken a cross-country trip before. So like it was mind-blowing, just like the fact that we started on one coast and ended on the other in the same vehicle with the same beings like was so crazy to me. Like my mind just could barely understand it. And to do that in 10 days was amazing. I feel like any more days, unless we really spaced it out, I made it like two or three weeks. I don't know. It just felt right. I don't know. It's hard to say that it was, if it had been longer, I don't think it could have been any shorter. I think we had a lot that we wanted to get done, but also like enjoy it too. And I think we did. I mean, there were days, like there was that day that a friend of mine had messaged me when he saw that we were going, I forgot where we were. Maybe we were like leaving Denver and he was like, oh, you're going to drive through the Badlands. And I had remembered going there as a kid. And I was like, wait, are we going to drive through the Badlands? And then I think Whitney, you just looked at a map and you were like, we can. And then like, we did. And I, I think that like, if we had less than 10 days, we wouldn't have been able to do something like that. And because we had a little extra space in there where it ended up being that we just got to our campsite super late, but we were like pros by that point to setting everything up. But because we did 10 days, we were able to then take an extra hour and just like see all these amazing animals and all this beautiful land. And I think that was something that was really important to our trip, not just like checking things off the box, but like being there and enjoying it and adding things that we hadn't planned and hadn't expected. Yeah. And as far as budget goes, I was kind of blown away. It's made me since I got back want to like Amy's soup yesterday. And it felt like so luxurious because there we wouldn't have been able to heat up Amy's soup on the trip. So I felt like it was like this luxury thing, but I really appreciated it. And we ate two meals in the car every day and maybe more. And we made them in the car. And I was shocked at how low our budget was in total, including, you know, having that kind of lifestyle that still 
was felt fun and good. Yeah, I felt really good about that. So I was blown away when I looked at our total budget. It was amazing. Yeah. The budget also included us eating out sometimes, which as vegan food lovers, Leanne and I wanted to be able to try some restaurants across the country, which is interesting too, because normally I would have been really excited to do that. But in this trip, I felt unattached to it. And that actually made it feel a little bit more magical when we did end up going to a really good place. And as Leanne just kind of said a little bit, it has shown me so much gratitude. That was actually one of the best parts of this trip is because we were living so minimally, not just like money-wise, but we didn't have a ton of room. My car is a small sedan and we actually could have put more in there, but it was complicated as it was already to just figure out the configuration of what was in the car versus what was in the tent. And so I'm glad that we didn't have like a ton more stuff in there, even though technically would have fit. It just would have made it so much more complicated. And because we didn't have a ton of equipment since we we didn't have a lot of time and that just like limited our abilities to get certain things. You know, for example, one of the first things I did was reach out to brands to see who would be interested in sending us products. And I'm going to be doing this whole roundup on YouTube and in blog posts and Instagram. And Leanne has been documenting throughout the trip already. So we wanted to just feature all these incredible brands that made travel-friendly and camp-friendly, vegan and eco-friendly products. But having only, I think, like 10 or so days... I guess we maybe had like 15 days total to plan. Maybe less. Did we leave on the the 4th? So I guess we probably had exactly two weeks to plan this big trip. And so reaching out to brands and getting them to say yes and then to send us products felt really rushed. And there were some things that we were waiting for that were food-related and some brands I never heard from. And those seem to be the brands that had high demand. Like I reached out to a few brands that made camping food where you can just like put boiling water into them. And I was so concerned about how we were going to eat on this trip. And so I was trying to find like, what was the easiest way to eat food on the go and to find really high quality vegan food along the way? And so many of these camping brands are sold out either because people are traveling more or because these brands are great for when you're staying at home, you know, because they're shelf stable. So we weren't able to get some of the cool like camping food brands, but we did just one of the best decisions we made was to get instant soup. So she mentioned Amy's, which we did consider bringing Amy's, but we would have had to bring a pot, a pan, and like some way to heat it up. And I had zero experience with the propane burners. We did end up having an experience with that during one camp night, but that's a separate story. So I didn't end up buying like the propane burners that are very typical for camping because I just didn't know which one to buy. I didn't know like if we would even use it. I just thought it was too risky. There was one really cool thing that I wanted that I reached out to the brand, but they weren't able to make happen. And, And they make these like portable I don't even know what the word is for it, but they can heat up water and food in like a cup in the car. So you plug it into the 12 volt adapter in your car and it can heat things up. And I thought that was so awesome. But that wasn't something we were able to coordinate. So I said to Leanne, like, we're just going to have to get creative with this. And if we're not going to rely on eating out, which 
A, would require more food and B, would require a lot of planning of us figuring out where to eat for all three meals. We wanted to bring as much as possible in the car with us. So we ended up getting a bunch of instant soups where you just add hot water to them. I got Dr. McDougal's, which is a brand that I really loved for a long time. And Leanne got a few other soup brands, including Annie Chun's and the vegan options they have there with their noodles. And then we had to become kind of bold and get hot water somewhere. And Leanne said like, oh, you can do that at gas stations. So she would go into the gas stations and ask, And I love this part of the story too, Leanne, of your experience of getting hot water for our food. I'll let you tell. Yeah, I really was like, I think that they have hot water at gas stations. Like really not actually sure because I've definitely never gotten it, but like, let's find out. And I remember going in there with our reusable soup bowls in the reusable grocery bag and going in and just standing there and being like, hi, can I buy some hot water? And they're like point to the hot water spigot. And then I would get the hot water and then I'd come back and stand in line and be like, and they would just look at me every time, just look at me like, yeah, nope, don't have to pay for it. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, every time it always felt like such a gift. I was like, cause you feel so weird just like going in a place and taking something. And I was always like, no, I'm sure I have to pay for it this time. And every single time they were so sweet. And I always wonder what, you know, like I probably look so weird with my soup bowls. But yeah, we got free hot water from every gas station and then made these soups. And they were so shockingly good that I was still, both of us were still eating them after we got back. Whitney sent me a picture today, eating another McDougal's soup. You're like, this is still good. (laughs) It's like, yep, had an Annie Chun's last night. It was still good. Like, (laughs) they're just, they're really good. And I think It was kind of amazing to find that out, that you can just like eat an entire meal on the road in the car that those are about $2, I think, maybe $1.50. And I also found that Cupo Noodles just started making a vegan option. So those are really good too. Obviously, we wanted to get veggies and fresh food for our third meal when possible. But the McDougal's ones had tons of, there was like a split pea soup and like a black bean soup. They felt really like nourishing and hearty. When we went through Chicago, I stopped at the Chinatown grocery store and got some OG seitan, which is just like wheat gluten in a jar, and put that in my Annie Chun's for the last couple of days, which was very satisfying. So yeah, I was kind of shocked at how easy it was for us to make two meals a day in the car. Yeah. And the other thing is the difference between getting it from a gas station versus like making it at home as I did this afternoon. and. Going back to what I started saying about gratitude, I mean, that gratitude that you have just to be able to access hot water, which I think many of us take for granted. But because we were traveling in a car and camping and it was the pandemic, Leanne and I were really trying to limit our exposure. So even going into the gas station felt like kind of risky, but she would bring in these stainless steel containers that we got from New Wave Enviro. And they were incredible incredible because they would insulate it. So they would keep the water hot. So we could actually just screw on a top to keep it from leaking and take the water with us. Or we could put our soup right in that container and cook it and it would stay warm in this container. But then we had to figure out how to clean it out. And just, I think water in general, I had the greatest appreciation for because not only do we need it to make these meals, But we also were constantly thinking about staying hydrated, especially the first few days of our trip when it was really hot. 
that was another element of this trip that was really interesting and, and completely unexpected was the weather. So we'll get to that in a moment because that was a huge challenge for us throughout each 10 days was handling the weather. But staying hydrated, I think that we had these moments of concern that we didn't have enough water. And because of the pandemic, it was this challenge of like, well, where are we going to get water from? I personally really despise bottled water if it's in plastic and glass bottles would have been really tricky. I thought about bringing my water filter with us, but we still needed a water source. And also being unexperienced campers, there was like a lot of questions about like, do we pay extra to have water access at the campsites? Because that was often an option. But like, I didn't really know what this water would be like. And so (laughs) we'd opted not to. And then we had to get creative. Like, I think one time we filled up a water bottle at the gas station, but a number of times we ended up filling up our water bottles at hotels. So since we were driving the Tesla, a lot of the charging stations across the country are at hotels or gas stations. So it all actually worked out really well. And they're generally at nice hotels like Marriott's. And so I started to find this confidence to go into the hotels where the charging stations are based because I think the hotels get some sort of kickback from having a charger there. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe if they're making like a few dollars off of us charging the car, it's not that big of a deal. So we went in and found water filters at some hotels or just what are they called? Like water bubbler. What are those called? Like (laughs) drinking fountains. Sometimes I would fill up there. We also had our life straws. So life straw sent us these incredible new stainless steel bottles that they just came out with. And they have a straw inside. So if you put any water, including from streams into these bottles, it'll filter out things like parasites and bacteria. And so I felt completely fine filling it up with most water, even if it was just like from a drinking fountain. Normally, I'm super particular about my drinking water, but because we had the life straws, it made it a lot easier. And then we had to like think about touching all the surfaces. So we would bring wipes in. We had some really great wipes from this company called Combat Wipes that are actually meant for your body, but we use them multi-purpose because they're antibacterial. We would just bring those with us if we went into a gas station or a hotel or any sort of contact with a surface that other people have touched. And we would like hold it on door handles or faucets. And that way we could do things like get water without worrying too much about getting coronavirus from a surface. And then we had a whole like hand cleaning station in the car, which also required some water. We have these amazing devices from this brand called Suds to Go. And you fill up one side of it with water and the other side with foaming soap. And so we were able to wash our hands in the car or technically right outside the car. And we had a towel that we'd use to dry off. And then we also had like a huge container of hand sanitizer. So that combined with our masks, I felt like we were pretty safe. And funny enough, I just got a notification as we're recording this episode that my COVID test results are in. (laughs) And I was like, should I look at my results while I'm recording? Yes. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I I was not prepared for it. And I want to like record a video of me looking at my results. So I'm not sure how to do that while we're recording the podcast. But yeah, how funny that my COVID test just came through <laughs> as we're having this discussion. And so just a quick aside for that, 
We got in to the East Coast on Sunday evening. We're recording this on Wednesday. And Monday morning, I got up early, which was not a problem because Leanne and I got up early every day for 10 days. And I went and got a COVID test at a place about 20 minutes away from my parents. It was a drive-through COVID test. And the results came like maybe 50 or so hours after I got it, maybe a little bit more. It hasn't been quite three days. So I'm curious, but I have been monitoring myself. And just to go back to the very beginning of this episode, I felt really good. And I felt like Leanne and I, you know, went the extra mile in a lot of ways to protect ourselves. You know, we did camp with a friend of Leanne's, but there was physical distance and masks the whole time. And we were outside, of course. We saw one of my friends in Denver, and that was entirely outside. And then I saw another person in Sioux Falls named Rachel, who I'd never met before. And we ended up getting there a lot later than we thought, because as Leanne mentioned, we had been to the Badlands in South Dakota earlier, and that kind of changed our day a bit. But we ended up meeting at a natural market and did our best to stay apart. But it was interesting too, like meeting up with people and just noticing different comfort levels with COVID. Everybody was very respectful, but that was kind of like on our minds a lot, especially when we were meeting up with people like, how do you set these boundaries for COVID? Both Leanne and I were trying to be really careful for ourselves, being careful for our family. Leanne and I went camping with her family at one point. And that was just like a big consideration because we don't want to get them sick. And I think in a way that worked to our advantage, Leanne, because I think being around other people, it's like sometimes it's easy to be a little bit more relaxed about something if it's only you at stake. But because both our parents were involved at some point on this trip, we were trying to be mindful not to get them sick. And I think that caused us to be really aware of our practices with COVID. Yeah, I definitely think it's a really good point that like when you think of the other people that you can get sick, I think a lot of people tend to think of themselves as very strong and having maybe having less needs. But when we think of the other people that we care about, yeah, I knew I was going to see my parents and you, you were going to see your parents. It does make easy to be extra careful. And it was interesting, like figuring out that just like you were saying, where everyone is very respectful. I think that we experimented a little bit, but like telling people ahead of time that we were being careful and then they would ask what that looked like and then we could give specific guidelines. I think that that for really nice pre-visit communication that then, you know, everybody was on the same page and there wasn't like a any sort of awkwardness like in the moment. And then I think that I felt really good about that. I think that was a really good practice and experiment and figuring out what works. And it's kind of a good metaphor, I think, for life, maybe, you know, like talking about something ahead of time as really a nice way to get people on the same page and knowing that, you know, it's not personal, that I can't hug you, but this is just, you know, a precaution that we're taking just in case. Because yeah, like if I got my parents sick or if you got your parents sick, like I would never be able to forgive myself. So I felt like we figured that out and it felt really good. Well, let's talk about metaphors for life, Leanne, because you just provided such a wonderful segue into something that I want to ask you both, which is probably a more spiritual view of this experience. And again, being respectful of the fact that you both have only been home for about three days and are still recovering physically and proverbially speaking, digesting the experience. But I think given, I suppose, the overarching feeling of 2020 
for me, and we both have had conversations about sort of the lessons that are arising. I'm curious with this road trip from a perspective of not only you mentioned, you know, really, really upfront communication, Leanne, and communicating expectations and boundaries, but this idea that whether it's maybe our career track, as you are both exploring new things and branching out from the brands that you've been known for for over a decade, myself included, how this experience as a microcosm of the macro of, hey, maybe I have a plan or had an idea of how I thought my life was going to go, or is it even wise to make a plan? Or if we make a plan, do we have the courage to face the unknown? Do we have the ability to pivot and improvise when need be? And I suppose I'm just curious how the backdrop of this road trip and being together and the conversations you both had in the car, it sounds like you had some deep spiritual conversations, how that's coloring your experience of navigating your self-identity, your career, your relationships. I know this is a big question, but I really want to dive into it before we end this episode of how did the microcosm of this trip affect your macro view of what's happening in your lives in the world right now? It's interesting because I feel like two answers bubbling up for me, but for some reason, it's just one really that I want that I'm like have clarity on right now. And that's something actually that came up for me when I took a trip with 40 vegans like years ago to Las Vegas. And we found that we were always trying to figure out where to go and always in transit. And we rarely were actually doing the thing that we planned to do. There wasn't actually a lot of time actually doing the things that we planned to do. We instead spent a lot of time on our way to something or figuring out something. And that's what first comes to mind. You know, when you're on a road trip, you're literally spending most of your time on your way to something. And one thing that this trip really taught me was this is what life is. We're always on our way to something. And if you choose carefully, like who you're spending time with and who you're on the way to something with, someone that you can explore life with and be awake with and respect their physical needs and their emotional needs and like be on a journey with, like that's actually what we're doing. And with having transitions in career right now, I think for all of us, we're exploring like you said, Jason, what's next and and who we are, it's like, instead of feeling like we need to know right now or that we will know, and that's when we can start enjoying life. It's really just like the fact that we're always in transition truly. And I know it feels like so obvious right now that everyone's in transition, but I think we maybe always are in transition the same way that on a road trip, you're always on your way to a new destination. We can either enjoy the view right now and explore our feelings and thoughts right now, or hurry up and wait until you get to the next one. And I feel like Whitney and I really got to really enjoy a lot of it. Just be present and watch the world change around us and watch the world inside us change too. Because seeing so many things, like seeing the weather change from 110 degree heat wave in Arizona to 23 degrees overnight in South Dakota and then raining in the Midwest. It was like, we go through all of those changes too. And, you know, our feelings, we can't really control. We have to let them like pass through us. And I think on our journey to discovering our next chapters in our life, I mean, truly, we're just always changing. And I think that this trip really helped me maybe accept that just as the world is always changing and the earth is and the weather. And I think I kind of just realized that just now answering your question, Jason. So thank you for that amazing question. That helped me a lot. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting that uncertainty side of it too, and also the nature side, because one thing that we had talked about towards the beginning, but we didn't actually address that much throughout the trip was how we wanted to savor nature. And I think your point, Jason, about Leanne and I both living in, in two of the biggest cities in the world, you know, like we're not always as in nature as we would like to be, you know, we're surrounded by people. And, and that was something I noticed too when I dropped off Leanne in Brooklyn. I hadn't been in, in New York for about a year and certainly not during the pandemic. So I couldn't believe how crowded it was in there. Like I just forgot what New York was like. But certainly during a pandemic, I felt a little taken aback when I saw how many people were there. And one thing I've really been noticing since I got to Massachusetts, my parents live in a small town and I'm just relaxed more in the nature. But when I look back over our trip, we were so in nature in such unique ways to Leanne's point, you know, that night that we were at the lake and it was a hundred degrees and we were seeing this incredible sunset and we're in the sand and like we got into the water at one point and that was so incredible. And then we went into Colorado and Colorado is just so stunning. And we were driving through Moab as Jason and I did on our trip last year. And it was also interesting to go through areas I had already been to a couple times. And I ended up crossing through a few parts of the country that I had been on in two other road trips. It was like my third time doing it and noticing what looked the same to me and what looked different. And hearing all these stories about what's going on with the fires on the West Coast and being out and away from that was interesting too. And then when we were in South Dakota and there's snow on the ground, you know, and Leanne and I were in so much awe of it, especially driving towards it. I think it was challenging at night, especially for Leanne because of the cold and we weren't fully prepared for it because none of this was in the weather reports when we were planning. Like I remember checking the weather for every single location we planned to go to. And previous to those dates, it was clear skies and manageable weather. So it was a very unpredictable time. And to Leanne's point, you know, that uncertainty is always there, but it's a little bit different when you're traveling and camping because it's literally a matter of your survival at some point. I mean, I woke up one night thinking like, I really hope Leanne like survived the night. You know, it was scary at times and I was worried about her. And But the plus side was that I remember when we finally embraced the snow, we were in complete awe of it. And we just could not stop talking about how gorgeous it was and how it looked on the trees. And being able to see nature go through all these changes in just 10 days was really remarkable. We kept saying it was like we saw all four seasons in the 10-day trip because not only were we traveling through the country, but there was just crazy weather happening during that time. And I think that was a beautiful gift. And that also reminds me to your question, Jason, one of the big lessons that was pointed out to me and Leanne was by her friend PJ, who we camped with. And we were all sitting down to dinner. It was really cool. It was like the most like traditional camp experience you could have because they both had their tents. PJ brought all this cool equipment, including one of those propane burners. And we were heating up water in like a little pot on a picnic table. It was really neat. And I can't wait to edit the video because all of this is included. So for you, Jason, and for anyone listening, you can actually see all the visuals. And 
I also put some photos in the show notes. So if you go to wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, you can see some pictures from our trip. And when we were with PJ, it was really neat because we got to the campsite on the early side. So we got to set up the tents and set up all the food. And then we had the burner so we could heat up our water on our own without going to the gas station. And before that, we went to a grocery store and got some ice for our drinks. And we just had had this whole picnic. And over the course of that meal, PJ said one of the most profound things that I heard on the trip, which was that some of the most memorable times of our lives are also the most stressful. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but the context in which he was talking about that made so much sense to me. And I think that helped me relax because I realized that any stress I was experiencing on that trip is actually going to make the memories stronger. Whereas if that trip had been so easy, we might have just taken it for granted. If we had plenty of water we wouldn't have had the opportunity to be grateful for every drop of water we had. If we didn't experience the the temperature changes, we wouldn't have been grateful for the days it was really hot or the times where we were really nice and warm in the car or whatever. And even like one of the nights, we were really disappointed because we wanted to stargaze. And it was the one night we had planned on stargazing. That was the night the sky was cloudy and it was raining. And I remember Leanne kept saying like, oh, it's so frustrating. But we made the most of it. We ended up eating an incredible meal that was brought to us to this campground in the rain. And the rain wasn't, it was like raining just enough where we could sit outside without umbrellas. And then the next morning, it was the same thing. We had breakfast under the drizzling sky. And normally I would never do that. Like... (laughs) Are you kidding me? I don't want to like sit out in the rain, but we did that. And that's going to be one of the greatest memories that I have because it was so vivid. And I think those little stress experiences made this trip so fantastic. And I think that's how life is in general, but we don't always think about it that way. It's interesting because last night, apropos of this, I was watching a basketball game. It's the playoffs. And someone made a comment they said, what do you get when you squeeze an orange? And they were like, orange juice. They said, yeah, whenever there's pressure, stress, challenge, we've talked about second force on this podcast, you initiate something with great energy and intention and life responds with a challenge to you, right? That you get, whatever is inside of you is coming out whenever you're challenged or stressed or you have, you know, something that that's not opposing you. But I think it's just, it's a really wonderful thing to reflect on in the sense that I know during this time period, there have been moments, I'm curious if both of you you know, feel this way, that when I say what I'm about to say, I realize that I'm very present. You talked about presence, Leanne, you know, that there's a roof over my head, there's food on the table, I'm surrounded by love and support and great friends, and there are humans on this planet right now that are suffering in extraordinary ways. But in terms of challenge and stress and the thing you brought up, Whitney, and how these make great memories for us, or perhaps put these into a deeper groove in our neurobiology. There's been moments where I'm like, okay, okay, universe, life, I'm good. Like no more challenges, please. Like it's all I can mentally take right now, you know? And then the past week or so, we've had this unbelievable wildfires in California where walk outside and it's really difficult to breathe. And so not as a counterpoint or a devil's advocate, Whitney, but I'm curious if either of you had moments or have experienced moments where you're like, okay, can we please just have smooth sailing now? No more challenges. We're good. We're good. 
I mean, it's funny. In hindsight, I can't really think of any. Like, I had some car trouble. I anticipated having car trouble, but I... (laughs) The thing that happened to my car, I had never experienced with a car in the past. And luckily, you were there for me, Jason, as car, quote, expert or someone more experienced with a car. So it really tested my stress levels. So there were certainly moments where I felt really stressed. And that's always such an interesting thing to think about because sometimes you are so irritated. Like, it's why do I have to deal with this? Why can't this just go easy? You know, and and that came up with for me before the trip started too. I remember thinking like, I've done so much planning. Like, can't this trip go really smoothly? Like, I don't want all this planning to have been in vain, you know? And it it certainly wasn't. So in hindsight, I don't have any like regrets. There wasn't anything too bad that happened that made me feel thrown off by it. How about you, Leanne? Yeah, I think it was just that cold front was I was sleeping in a tent outside and you were talking about Whitney, we were just outside all day, basically, except in the car. And it was so intimate with nature, but it also showed me how powerful nature is. And so, you know, when we had gone through the first night, which went down to 37 degrees, that first night that was so cold and I was outside, I was like, okay, made it, made it through the 37 degrees. And then the next night it was 23 degrees, like pretty much the whole night. And I was like, oh my God, am I going to make it through this night? And then the third night was still in the 30s. And just, I remember every day it was like, is it going to be below freezing again? And I think it was one of those things where, you know, we didn't have a choice. So I did cry, I think once a day for a few of those days, just because when your basic needs are all uncertain, basic physical needs might just hit like a bit of a point of exasperation. And then when it started to get warmer again, and then it was just raining, even though I was a little frustrated it was raining because I wanted to stargaze with my dad. It was like, well, at least it's raining and it's not you know freezing anymore. And then when we like ended up, like you were talking about with gratitude, coasting into the East Coast, and I think we stopped, I don't remember where that was, maybe Pennsylvania. We just felt that crisp fall East Coast air, it was like so sweet and so amazing. The sun. And I think that if I had stayed in Brooklyn the whole time and I had felt that 60 degree air, I would have been like, oh, it's getting cold. (laughs) I would not have felt the joy and gratitude for like that versus the rain versus the snow versus trying to sleep through freezing weather. But I did hit that a few times and I just, you know, we didn't, there was no other choice. So we, got through it. And then it became a point of gratitude, became a point of contrast, which I'm really grateful for, for sure. Yeah. It kind of brings up this idea of resisting what is or surrendering to it and accepting what is. And to get back to a lot of the, I guess, core spiritual things that maybe we talk about, especially off of this podcast, we've all three of us have had so many deep spiritual conversations. As we head toward the end of this podcast, you know, it sounds like life is always giving us opportunities to accept what is, surrender to it, or resist it and be in resistance to it. And certainly I think, you know, this road trip, you it sounds like you had a few moments of like, all right, ugh, this isn't exactly how we wanted it to go. But I think there's a lot of moments happening like that right now, you know, where it's this is not what I would like, but I'm in it. So if I resist it and I bemoan my existence and, you know, curse God or curse life or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm certainly paying attention to any sort of energy right now of like, woe is me or feeling like a victim or 
this ought not be happening, which is resistance. And resistance causes, you know, some very interesting things to happen to us psychologically and physically. So I guess as we are, are wrapping up with a few minutes to go, with everything that's happening and all the uncertainty in the world, I just want to go back to it because I want to get some final takeaways here. How are you both feeling in terms of your relationship to resistance or surrender in life right now? Has this trip and this experience colored that differently, changed it, or not at all? Um, I feel like for me, definitely like being very present and very much in relating to nature, being outside all day, every day for 10 days made me feel a lot more raw and that and open. And I think it definitely is making me feel more aware of resistance, the resistance that I'm feeling, but also there was so much surrender during the trip. So yeah, I guess just, it's just more top of mind and like more of my experience right now. I don't know, Whitney, how you feel? I think it's actually cleared my mind in a lot of ways. And maybe that's one of the big gifts is like Leanne was saying at the very beginning, (laughs) there's so much, it's going to take a while to process it and that's okay. And I'm noticing myself wanting to dive right back into work and like get into this fast pace and feeling internal pressure. And then I'm just noticing that and thinking like, is that really how I want to operate? No, like I don't want to go about my day feeling stressed out and so focused on work and worrying and just consumed with all of that. I think this trip really took me away from a lot of those stresses because in terms of time, I didn't have a ton of time to work on this trip. And that was a gift. I didn't have as much time on my phone because I was driving. We didn't always have cell reception. So there were nights that we just literally couldn't communicate with people at night, you know, and that was a gift. And as Leanne was saying, it was this interesting experience of almost as if we didn't have time to think. And I remember reflecting on that statement as we were discussing it. And I'm like, well, what does she mean? Like Leanne said that at one point and I was agreeing with her and then reflecting and trying to understand what that meant because we had so much time of just sitting in the car and looking out the window. And that felt like thinking, but it felt more like a meditative thinking versus an overthinking and overanalyzing a trying to plan all the time, trying to have control. I think that surrender did take a play in all of these experiences, but just also letting ourselves relax into that time versus feel tense in that time. And I'm still trying to find the word to describe it, but I think that's the best way I can phrase it right now. Yeah. I think it was this sense of surrender, like you're saying, Whitney, that like we're on this ride and we're seeing these things that we couldn't predict we would see and we're in this place and we should just be here. And I definitely felt that. It was like a sense of like not having control over what's going on or what we're looking at or where we are, but just being there. And it was definitely very different for my brain as well. And like a meditative state for sure. As we're wrapping up here, there was a quote. I don't remember who it was. We love to share quotes with each other. One thing with our mutual friendship between myself and Whitney and Leanne over the years, we certainly have sent each other not only book recommendations, but quotes. And we're always sharing resources with each other, which is one of my favorite aspects of our mutually shared friendship that's grown so much and continues to. One of the quotes that I saw recently was, we are breaking our collective addiction to certainty. 
And in reflecting just on the spirituality and philosophy and things we like to dive into, I think it's interesting that this was a part, at least I'm perceiving from the outside, I wasn't on the road trip with you guys, but hearing the beautiful retelling of your journey here on the podcast, we will share additional details in future episodes, of course. We can't possibly sum it up in just about an hour and 15 minutes. But so far, it just sounds to me that we are all kind of collectively having experiences, choosing experiences to help us see reality more clearly. My personal opinion is that, as you mentioned, you know, life is ever-changing, and the only certainty we have is change. Everything else is uncertain. And having these kind of experiences of your road trip and some of the experiences we've had with our careers and our businesses and our identity and who we are, what we're doing, uh, our inner work is, I think, certainly showing all of us that um, we're more resilient maybe than we thought. We have the ability to improvise and make decisions on the fly that even though we've made plans and we've done things and really desire specific outcomes, that if those specific outcomes don't happen, we can surrender to what is and say, okay, what's what am I to do now? Like, what does reality want from me? So I love personally being on the receiving end of the stories today, ladies. And I know there's a lot more. Again, we only probably scratched the surface, but I'm just sharing my appreciation for having a deep reconnect with you both after this 10-day trip and you settling in. And yeah, I, I hope we all get to do a big trip together at some point. There's been some talk of relocation. That's probably best for future episodes. So I'm sure there are more adventures to come. In conclusion, I know there are more adventures to come. Yes. And Jason, as we wrap the episode, I have one final question that only I think you can answer, which was one of the big mysteries on our entire trip. And it kept coming up over and over again. And Leanne and I have not found a conclusive answer to this question. Maybe <laughs> you will be able to answer it. And that question is, when did Leanne and I first meet? Because she thinks it was with you. And I, Leanne, you might need to describe this time that you thought I was with you because I don't think I was there. But maybe Jason will have the final answer. This is so funny. Yeah, because whenever we would meet up with someone, they would always ask, oh, how did you two meet? And we'd be like, we have different ideas. I thought it was when I had a pop-up with Joshua Catcher, the discerning brute, for Vote, for my brand, at Mohawk Bend. Is that what it's called? Yes, in 2013. Yeah, and I swear you both were there, and that was the first time we met. That is what I remember. Like, pretty distinctively, I remember watching the two of you interact and noticing the two of you together and also then like hanging out. So, and I, you know, what's even crazier in my mind, I actually picture like a photo booth photo with Whitney and that might be totally made up. I mean, when I had my Vipassana last year, I started to really question all of my memories. So maybe Jason can tell me if my memory is completely off. I know for sure, Leanne, that that is when you and I met in person for the first time. We knew of each other through, obviously, the vegan community and being so heavily involved. I know definitely that's when you and I met in person. Whitney and I were dating at that time, so I know we were there together. Yes. I don't know if that's the first time you met Whitney, but Whitney and I were definitely there as a pair at that time. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I have zero memory of this. I keep thinking about a time that you saw Leanne and Joshua without me, Jason. 
but maybe that was a separate year. And I feel like what happened to my brain that forgot this memory that you both remember? <laughs> do we have photographic evidence of this? Like, do we need to dig through the archives? I'm going to go through my iPhone. I have evidence I was there because I still have my blue and yellow vote Brooklyn tank top. I still have the tank top I bought at that pop-up. Yep. And then we all wore our tank tops on the roof at the PETA LA fashion pop-up like a year later or something. I have that picture for sure. But I swear. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Whitney. If I do find these pictures, though, we will definitely put them in the show notes for this episode. And for you, dear listener, if you want to learn more about what Leanne is up to in the world and all the amazingness she is creating, because we don't know what's next, Leanne, but everything you touch is always wonderful and infused with so much love and intention and creativity. We will link to her Instagram page in our show notes, along with all of the books, products, quotes, anything we reference today. We will have it all in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can go to our website and just click on the podcast section. It'll take you to this episode and all of the episodes previously to this. If you want to dive deep into this might get uncomfortable. And I know there's so much more, Leanne. I mean, this again, we have this kind of mutual friendship, the three of us, where we will literally keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. There's just no end to it. And that is certainly one of my most cherished lovely aspects of our friendship. So it's just been so wonderful to, to get into it. And I feel like we need to have you on again because I feel incomplete and that's okay. I surrender to my incompleteness. <laughs> I totally agree. I think that like, because we had to talk a lot about function and the specific elements of the trip and all of the structure to it. But I think there's a lot for us to discuss around a lot of things in life right now. And then I would love to discuss sometime soon for sure. And I piggyback on what Jason said, I, Leanne will say that I am shocked that after 10 days with you that we still have so much more to discuss. Like in my head, I thought we're going to get like talked out. We're going to discuss everything and we're just going to feel like satisfied. But <laughs> even after 10 days with you, I felt like you and I could have just talked and talked like there's so much to discuss. So Jason, I think that you need to do like a 10 plus day trip with Leanne too. And you'll probably find the same thing I did at the end, which is it never feels like enough time with her. So this podcast, even two episodes probably won't be enough with you, Leanne, because you just have so much on your heart to share. And we're so grateful. I'm so grateful you did that trip with me. And I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast, even though we're both still recovering. (laughs) But I wanted to do this when we were fresh. So maybe it'll be interesting to do this again in the future when we've had more time to process. Yeah, I definitely agree. You're like one of the most incredible planners I've ever met in my life. It was insane watching you do your thing and then being like witness to the result of that. But then, like you said, I mean, I just, I had things like, because when I couldn't sleep too well, I'd have to like nap in the car and stuff. But I would have things come up in my brain where I would be like, this would be so fun to talk about right now with Whitney. And there are things, there are like whole discussions that I think I've probably backlogged that we just talk for so much more to talk about. So I'm really looking forward to coming back on and discussing all the things. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 